We've all experienced the state of flow at some point in our life. It might be singing that perfect tune, making every bucket in a basketball court, or even buckling down and knocking out that project in record time. Time seems to just flow when you're in this state of focused and enjoyable concentration. The concept of flow is nothing new. We always hear about being in the zone, and that's basically what we're talking about when we speak of the term flow. But only in recent years has research really been conducted in a significant manner to move this concept into a construct. And that's what I want to discuss today. So there's a very popular book called Finding Flow from, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, Mikhaili Chitsetmihaly. He's probably the most renowned researcher in this field. And his book helps to depict what the cognitive state is and how we can reach flow. This state is sometimes referred to as the Goldilocks zone between stressful, overworked projects and unmotivating simple work. It's when your tasks are considered to be significantly hard enough to motivate you, but also still enjoyable. They're still fun. And we cover this topic a lot more in our book, Read This Before Medical School. But to simplify the different stages for how to reach there, we're going to go into a little bit more detail today. So it's important to note that when a task is considered work, it's usually hard to enjoy. Some research suggests that it's actually correlated to lower self-esteem. So when we're tackling a project, an exam, uh, any sort of academic or extracurricular activity, we don't necessarily want to think of it as work. But we also don't want it to be too simple. We don't want it to be tedious work that's not really feeling like we're being productive. So there's a couple of stages that Dr. Chisette Mihaly recommends for entering the stage of flow. And for those that have listened to past episodes on deliberate practice, you'll notice there are some similarities between these. So first off, it needs to be a task that's going to put you in a high state of concentration. It needs to be stimulating work, something that's really enticing, something that makes your brain work. You also should receive some immediate feedback for the work you're doing. Make sure that you're on the right track. Make sure you're not spinning your wheels for no reason or maybe veering off the path of what your ultimate goal is going to be. Which brings us to the next one is setting clear goals. And you know, we recommend often using SMART goals. It doesn't really matter what type of goal setting strategy you use. Really anything that is monitorable, I would suggest using. I think one that differentiates this a little bit more from deliberate practice is that he recommends the task has to have a sense of control or you need to have a sense of control over the task. So this probably isn't a state that you're going to enter if, for instance, you're sitting in a classroom listening to lectures, if you're being instructed by someone else. You really need to have that self-directed learning in order to reach flow. You also want to set few distractions, which is pretty obvious. If you're task switching back and forth, you're not going to be able to focus on the work ahead of you. And if focus is a main state of flow, then you want to limit distractions, get rid of any sort of notifications, make sure you're not switching back and forth between uh, writing something and doing something else. Or for instance, sometimes I'm switching between writing a script and recording a podcast or studying something else or creating a video. And you want to just pick one thing at a time limit distractions as much as possible. And probably the last and most important part is that the task needs to really meet your skills, your abilities. So that's going back into that Goldilocks zone. If it's too easy, you're not really going to get in the zone because you're not interested in the work. You don't feel that progress. And if it's too hard, well, you might be overwhelmed and not know what the next step is. I think 
this is probably why school tests are just so difficult sometimes. It's hard to get motivated for them. You might be initially motivated in the aspect of, oh, I'm studying something new. And that can be really enticing because you're learning something. You're pushing forward. You're not stagnating. It's not too easy. But you also haven't reached a point that's too hard yet, anyway. But when you're sitting in a classroom, or if you're rereading something or restudying something, which we, we often recommend not to do, then it's kind of getting to that, all right, I'm not pushing forward. I'm not necessarily learning as quickly as I was before. And it becomes a little boring, a little tedious. Actually, that's exactly why I always say don't reread your notes and textbook pages and chapters because you're not pushing yourself to a new limit. You're not really exploring new material or trying to tackle it in a different way that's going to encourage more active learning strategies. It becomes passive learning, and then it doesn't really add anything. It's just easy. And often when it's easy, we find in learning, then it's not effective. When you're striving for something greater, better, deeper knowledge, or even adding in a different type of task, so instead of rereading your notes, you might discuss it with someone, or hop on a forum even, you can use Reddit, you can use any of the med school forums, and start a debate with someone. Ask questions, get responses, get feedback. That can push you to a new level. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend or a peer about a topic you're really passionate about, you're very interested about, and you can talk for half hour, hour, maybe several hours, and time just seems to fly by? It's because you've added that new interesting aspect where they're challenging you a little, and you're teaching them, and they're teaching you. And it becomes fun and time flies. And that's part of flow. Or maybe you're creating a concept map or a mind map and you're just doodling away, organizing things, coloring things in a very productive manner, something that's going to stand out to you later on, and you completely lose track of time. That is also a state of flow. You're still learning, you're synthesizing information as you're trying to create this concept map or this mind map. And that process of challenging yourself how do I want to enter this? What correlates to what? How should I organize and color these structures so that it's going to stand out to me later on? Is adding that little bit of challenge versus maybe rereading a textbook or rereading notes that you've already created. And consider if there are certain tasks that you've maybe put off doing before. Maybe you've had them on your to-do list, but you're like, ah, it's going to take a long time, or I'm not really sure what to do, how to approach this right now. That might be a good task to actually take on, to enter flow, because you're starting to push your limits. You're growing you're learning while still in a state that you have control over the situation. You can control what speed you take on this new project or you learn this new skill, and you can associate it to your studies or whatever project you're working on in a way that you want. It's much more beneficial than being instructed on how to do something. <laughs> a little side tangent here. This is kind of what irritates me a lot when I discuss online courses with people. Now, it can be different in medicine, I'm sure, but the same principle applies. If I need to go into the brick and mortar room, as many people say, I need to go sit in the classroom to learn. Well, you're just being instructed to, you're being taught at, you're not taking your learning into your own hands. And that's something that we really need to do as medical and healthcare professionals. There won't always be someone there to teach us. There might be someone there to guide us or to mentor us or correct us when we make a mistake, but we have to learn a lot on our own. So coming back to the focused aspect of this pathway, of these steps, is it's really important to pay attention in order to learn. And I know that sounds obvious, right? But how many times do you see your classmates or yourself listening to something, watching a video in class, 
talking with friends, doing something other than paying attention, focusing on their work. So what they're doing is not unusual. Everyone does it, but monitor how frequently that happens because you're really decreasing your efficiency. If you want to knock something out now, if you want to get this project done with or cover this chapter's materials, you need to sit down and focus. And this is why if you ever watch a webinar online, especially business webinars, one of the first things they always say is, all right, go turn off your phone and just make sure to focus on this for the next however many minutes it is. Because if you're not paying attention, you're not going to take away all the key points and you're going to have to spend extra time later on learning them. And you're probably going to learn them out of context or out of order. And it might be more difficult to learn it that second time, especially if you already think you learned it because you got the surface level knowledge the first time. Well, now your interest in this might be decreased because you figure you already know some of it and you don't want to study it again, or you're just going to breeze over it the second time because you think it's a review. But this might not be the case. So make sure to really focus, to pay attention on whatever task you're trying to tackle at that point in time. So Dr. Jitsat Mihaly also has another book on creativity. And I think some of that bleeds over into this book when he goes on to this next section. It's describing two different personality types, basically. There's the autotelic and the exotelic. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Basically, the autotelic are the ones that do something for the sake of the enjoyment of that process, of that task, where the exotelic are really looking for that external reward. You could think of it as intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. And it's interesting that the autotelic, the intrinsically motivated ones, seem to outperform the extrinsically motivated students, individuals, on nearly every test that they run. And an interesting side note, they seem to be less corruptible. So that might be an interesting thing in medicine, where maybe students aren't going into professions just for the money or just for the prestige or something along those lines. They're going into it for internal reasons, not for external reasons. And he goes on to say that developing curiosity for whatever subject that you're trying to study or whatever project you're trying to complete is extremely important. And this can be difficult, especially as you get older. Just developing curiosity for new things tends to wane for some reason. And it can go up and down depending on your initial curiosity on a certain subject. But it's really hard to get that curiosity back and to devote the needed attention to the task at hand. So he does recommend trying to find ways to make it intrinsically motivated, to make the activity itself enjoyable and interesting. And there are many different ways that you can do it depending on the task. It's hard to give a lot of examples right here, but perhaps you can tackle the same type of material in a new manner. So in med school, maybe the first way you tackle it is listening to a lecture, whether it's video or in class. The second way you tackle it is taking notes, preferably in class at the time, and then maybe rewriting them later. Maybe a third way is instead of rereading those notes, you can then transfer those notes into your flashcard deck or to make a mind map with them. And then maybe another way after that is to then go and have a discussion with both someone that knows the material, such as a classmate or maybe an upperclassman, and then have the discussion with someone that doesn't know the material, like maybe some of your friends and family that aren't studying the same material as you. And by taking the same material and putting it in all these different ways and all these different scenarios, then you can find a little bit more enjoyment and some new creativity in that way. And also notice some nuances about how different types of people interpret different materials, which can really 
enlighten you as to how to tackle the project later on. So we've really covered the stages to reach flow and kind of their similarities to deliberate practice, which I think we're going to cover again in a recent episode, in a new episode, I should say. And feel free to check our past episodes on deliberate practice. But that's really to be in a a state of high concentration, doing some stimulating work, to receive some feedback whenever possible, especially immediately. Feedback after a day or after several days tends to not be very helpful. You need to know what mistakes you're making right now in order to make the correct corrections. Setting clear goals to make sure that you're achieving them. Making sure to write them down or some way to monitor them so that you keep yourself honest. A sense of control over the project. Making sure you have some self-directed, self-regulated learning going on. And you can control the pace at which you're learning this new material or tackling this new project. Obviously, we want to limit the distractions and then make sure that the task is something that's within our skill range. It's not too easy. It's not too hard. Remember that Goldilocks zone. That's when you can enter flow the best. I thought it was interesting also to note that Dr. Chitsat Mihaly went into this comparison between the state of flow and the state of happiness and how people focus too much on happiness. He actually says that flow is opposed to happiness and that it requires retrospection. It requires constant challenges and changing and learning, which tend to not really correlate with happiness. We tend to think of happiness as like a state of being or a state of attainment, but it's not really a process. It's really more of a state of leisure, if anything. So leisurely activities we tend to associate with happiness, lounging by the beach or taking a stroll in a park, or something that doesn't require effort or work or thinking, which is opposed to the state of flow, which is progress, it is learning, it is active. But we can also still reach a greater state of happiness through flow, through that feeling of accomplishment, of a job well done. So focus on flow, not happiness. And I want to leave you with this message. He made this comparison at the end of the book, and I thought it was really interesting how he summed it up almost in like a mission statement. And it states that flow is when the heart, the will, and the mind are on the same page. When your thoughts, wishes, and feelings are all in harmony. I just thought that was quite profound. So let's reach this harmony. Let's reach this flow. And let's progress. Let's learn. Let's grow together. So as always, if you want to reach out to me, please do. I do get a lot of spam on social media though. So Uh, If you can email medicalnemonist at gmail, that's probably the easiest way, but feel free to try to reach out on social media as well. If I have a lot of mutual connections, I'm more likely to connect with you. And also do join our Facebook group, the Medical Nemonist Mastermind. It's still up there and we have a lot of members now. We do need some more activity. Ask your questions, pitch in. And of course, If you want to learn more about flow, about deliberate practice, about a lot of the study techniques, the prioritization techniques, and other ways to really improve on your medical journey, consider checking out Read This Before Medical School. You can find it on Amazon or any other bookstore. And if you've already read it, we would really love a review. The more reviews that we get, the more people show that it's an appreciated resource, that it's a valuable resource. And I really appreciate it if you can take the time to do that for us. Thank you, and I'll see you next week.